Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. Hi guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's show where I welcome Andrea Dingdinger. And for 18 years, Andrea has specialized in helping people create meaningful, fulfilling, intimate relationships through her therapy practice and her online courses. And today, I really enjoyed this conversation where we talk about how to learn about who we are and what we're looking for in the context of relationships. And Andrea gives us some really valuable tools in understanding ourselves, valuing ourselves more, how we can do that, and then how we can get really clear on what it is that we want out of a relationship. And then when we're in a relationship, how to navigate when things aren't going as we want them to and checking in with ourselves. And Andrea gives a lot of very actionable, specific tools that I really love that I'm going to be able to use in my personal life. And I hope you guys will as well. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy today's show. Hi, Andrea. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Hi, Chase. So nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Today, we're going to talk about your work with individuals and helping them discover who they are and who they're looking for. I think this is such important work to do if you're single and even if you're in a relationship, maybe it, things are just not flowing well and maybe it's because you, you don't really know who you are and you've found someone who maybe isn't who you thought you wanted, you know, who you're looking for. So totally. yeah. can you Tell us why you love working with individuals in this space, and then we're going to dive into some valuable things people can think about on this road to discovery. 
Well, it's interesting what you said, whether it's you're in a relationship or out of a relationship. One of one of the individuals I worked with wanted his wife to do couples therapy with him and she just was refusing. Um, and I said, that's okay. It's no problem. What we do is you and I will do the work and your work that you're doing and the changes that will happen for you in our work will inspire your wife to join and do couples therapy with you. So with, with individual therapy, and you see it like with families, like you're having a terrible time with your parents, you're you know a, an adult, but your parents are older and you're really struggling with them and your whole family system. That one person doing their work helps impact not only themselves, which massively changes, but then all of their relationships. It's kind of like they are the the stone that lands in the pond. And then the work they do on themselves begins to ripple off of them and impact all of their relationships from, you know, work, friends, um, maybe their, their family, their, you know, extended family. And to me, there's no better time right now than now to do some of that work. It's such an empowering position to know that we don't need to wait for our partner to jump on board and we can start. And as you said, that can inspire your partner to join or, I mean, it's probably circumstances where your partner doesn't and then you could so positively impact the relationship or things just continue to go south and you now have a better understanding of yourself and and what you want. And maybe that's a relationship that you're going to exit. Totally. And, you know, I think so often, in terms of people exiting relationships that don't work for them, you so often need another place to belong, a sense of, um, you know, like you need someplace else where you can receive the connection that you are getting from your relationship, even though that relationship may not be working. Um, and you might be so unhappy being in that relationship. You start doing your individual work you connect, you know, A, with me or what, whoever the therapist is. Um, and you get the sense of like there's somebody on your team that is on your team. Then you begin to build some of those internal safety structures, some of that internal feeling of self-worth, those internal feelings of belonging somewhere, like belonging inside of yourself. You begin to value yourself and and begin to really question like, oh, is it safe enough for me to walk out of this relationship that isn't actually fulfilling my needs? I have a lot of people who come see me who are individuals and are dating somebody for a very long time. And that person doesn't want to get married, doesn't want to have children. And the you know my the the people I see want to get married, want to have children, want to really move forward in their life with these kind of developmental stages and um, and just that kind of connection, that kind of level of commitment. And so often they come to see me, and in our work together, they really begin to value themselves and look at you know why am I choosing somebody who doesn't align with my values, and what would I you know, what's possible if I chose somebody who does align with my values? And that work really begins with them valuing themselves and acknowledging really what they want. I think so often 
we're really afraid to say like, hey, I want this. Like, this is really important to me. And it's okay if you don't want it, but I want it. And you're either with me or you're not. And that's okay. But this is where I'm headed. And that's some of the work that people do um, in that individual treatment. What are some of the steps you'll take a client through if you're trying to get them to value themselves more? That's interesting. Steps specifically, I think the most important step is they just show up, right? They're showing up in a regular way. Um, I think the one thing that they begin to do is open up to their vulnerability, open up to the fact that... um, they need support. Um, and when they can start being vulnerable and open with me, a trusted, safe person, they begin to feel that sense of um, strength and security on their inside. So I think the first step would be, you know, just showing up. Uh, the next step would be, you know, taking some emotional risks to, to share their internal world, their thoughts, their feelings, And, you know, I find, Chase, that so many people are really terrified, deeply terrified of their own feelings and of other people's feelings. I mean, I think actually if we could help people be less afraid of that, everything would probably run better. But we're so afraid of the discomfort of um, the emotions we feel, sadness, anger, loneliness, jealousy abandonment. But if we actually are sitting in a safe space with somebody who is on our team, we begin to develop an ability to tolerate greater and greater um, unpleasant feelings. And then when we can tolerate them, we don't have to just avoid them or react from them. We can sit there, watch them and watch how they can begin to move through. Can you talk a little bit about the practice of watching them and allowing them to move through? Yeah. So one of the things, um, you know, I give my my people um, homework nearly every week. And so at the beginning of a um, of our work, one of the assignments I often get people, um, one of the homework assignments I often give them is each day I want you to write down 10 things that you see or do or experience that you like or love. So whether it's, I saw a pair of shoes that I loved, or I saw this grandpa holding this, you know, his granddaughter's hand as they walked down the street, but really capturing these things that they love helps them connect to themselves. So first, they have to start with this thing that is actually pleasant. And I think people are even afraid of feeling the things that they love um, out of fear of losing it, out of fear of not getting it. Um, desire, I think, is a very difficult um, feeling for people to tolerate. But, but in general, I would say focusing on the things that you love, the things that you like initially help you wake up a little bit, pay attention to what is happening in your day-to-day, what you're um, kind of what you're experiencing. It helps you get off of your phone and take in the world. So that's kind of the first thing that I do in terms of starting to be able to tolerate the feelings. The second thing 
is then we go from what I see that I love or like to 10 things that I want, whether it's I want um, flowers on my kitchen table or um, I want a boyfriend or I want a wife or um, I want children. And to really start paying attention to where these wants are, almost like you're listening to your internal world a little bit more. And so that's, you know, and that's a very, um, it doesn't seem like that should be difficult, but it is actually quite difficult for many people to identify that. And then the next thing is, is being able to talk about all of the feelings that come up. And so often um, I like to explain to them, like our feelings are just kind of, they begin in our head with our different thoughts that we're having. And so if we can start identifying some of those thoughts, then we can pay attention to the feelings. Then when we see pay attention to the feelings, we can watch them as they move, as they shift, almost like um, like a nebulous and out of outer space, right? If you watch it, it like kind of moves and shimmers. Feelings are kind of in the same way. Or I like to say to my couples that I'm working with, you know, it's around connection. And so like the tide will go out when you're feeling a little bit more disconnected. But then if you watch it, the tide comes back in and you'll feel that deeper connection in and out, in and out. And so that's the same thing when I'm working with individuals. It's like really paying attention to, I feel really anxious right now. Okay, well, let's watch the anxiety. Let's not add additional fuel to it, but let's just really watch how the anxiety moves through your body. And if it, it does it change, does then fear come up? Does anger come up? Does sadness or grief come up? And let's just watch, watch what it does. Almost like you're watching a movie. You begin in individual therapy to create the observing mind to be able to have an experience and be like, whoa, why am I so triggered right now? But first you have to notice like, oh, I'm triggered. And then the observer is, oh, why? What's going on? What triggered me? Um, And then after that, I guess it's kind of rinse and repeat. It's practice and practice and practice. And the maybe the final next step is really being able to speak to it. So a lot of people I work with will have um, that kind of, public speaking anxiety or, you know, on Zoom, so many people speaking on Zoom, they're saying like, you know, I used to do presentations in the office all the time, no problem. I feel the people in the room, I'd have that sense of connection and connectivity. And I would know whether there are questions or people were paying attention over Zoom. I feel no connection and my anxiety is sky high. And so one of the things I help my people find the strength and confidence to be able to say is before as they're starting the as they're starting the presentation like oh I'm noticing I'm a little bit anxious seeing you all here today I'm hoping this is really valuable so once they're able to name like oh I'm a little bit nervous that nervousness like evaporates it's when we try and pretend or stuff down or even um you know gloss over that that feeling builds and builds and builds. Let's say we identify the feelings, we watch as they shift, 
How important is it to then identify the underlying cause? I tend to get over analytic and let's say I'm feeling anxious. It's like, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Where do I feel it in my body? Okay, I'm Uh watching it. But then my next thing would be like, well, why am I anxious? What's that from? And I can start thinking about my childhood. And, And how important is that to process? And where does that kind of thinking fit in if it does? Well, I think it fits in absolutely because you start understanding that the anxiety um, and really all of our feelings come from a real deep inner wisdom, right? That anxiety that shows up is there to keep you safe. And you start saying, where did this come from? And you start looking, you know, you start seeing like, when have I felt this before? Oh, I remember this feeling, you know, if it's anxiety over a breakup. Oh, I remember, you know, back in high school when Johnny broke up with me and how devastated I was. Oh, I know this feeling. Oh, I didn't have any support or any tools to to get through that experience. I kind of, you know, I got through it somehow, but I didn't really have any real support. Now I'm different. I'm older. And so that anxiety is similar. It's attached to this new relationship. Um, but it really has these historical leanings from, you know, my adolescence. Then, you know, when you start doing that backwards looking, like, why am I feeling so anxious? If you can soften the why and be like, I wonder what, you know, I wonder what's being triggered in me um, to be feeling this way. I think it does help your body soften, like you're saying, like, because anxiety is very physical, um, is a very physical emotion as well as an emotional experience. Um, But then when you're able to start looking backwards and recognizing who I was um, at five years old or who I was at 16 years old and who I am today at, you know, 40 years old or 60 years old or, 28 years old, who I am today is different. And what, and then you're able to then kind of take that next kind of bigger, um, like, like the next level of the onion, you know, that next layer kind of outward versus inward, outward to go, oh, but I'm actually, I actually am safe. I do have friends. I have a job. I'm healthy. And really reflect on what you do have and then bringing the things, the support that you do have into this situation where you were once really triggered at a younger age um, into this present moment and giving you extra strength and, and reminding you of the tools that you have to um, get through anxiety. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. We touch on this concept in our episodes frequently. We're better able to show up as our best selves in relationships when our bodies and minds are in a state of harmony. PMS and perimenopause throw a wrench in that whole state of harmony thing. Many women in our community have seen their relationships and their own mental health suffer when PMS and perimenopause symptoms set in. Our sponsor, Happy Mammoth, saw that there was no effective nature-inspired solutions to these issues, so they made one. 
Esther Control. Relationship Advice listeners can now get 15% off your first order on happymammoth.com with our promo code I do at checkout. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients help support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when estrogen isn't processed well in our liver, women may start having PMS symptoms like spots on the skin, cravings, and feeling low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves throughout the whole month. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal. It's really great for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can become especially rough. PMS has been a constant challenge throughout my life, from feeling down to sleeplessness to just not feeling comfortable in my own skin. PMS has put me through the ringer time and time again, and I know it's not just me. I've seen my relationship suffer in those times when PMS takes over. Estro Control works to relieve many of those consuming PMS symptoms, helping us regain control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first month at happymammoth.com with the promo code I do at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the promo code I do for 15% off your first order. I love that reflecting on what you do have because. I know I find the negativity bias is just like one hell of a thing because <laughs> you'll be in this loop in these negative emotions. And then what will help me is observing it. But what really helps me is like, hey, why are you focusing? So, you know, being soft with myself, but then almost laughing at like, look at this negative pattern of thinking you're in around this thing. But go over here and look at all the amazing things you do have. And, and that'll kind of help snap me out of it. And like I said, I almost laugh at those moments and in a loving way, like at myself of like, man, Chase, you're getting yourself into this negative loop around this particular thing. But look at all these beautiful things. And, and I'll even do this exercise of looking at myself like 10 years ago, you know, when maybe there was mm. more uncertainty around my career and, and how, yeah, I was struggling with it then. But you know, now I'm in a great place and being like, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago? Like you basically have the exact career that you wanted 10 years ago and you're living in Costa Rica and you're surfing every day, all these things right. that, that I dreamed about. And, but then the negativity bias will come in and it's like, I'm stuck on this loop about something that happened. And it, it's amazing how, how we can do that. But that the value of, of reflecting on what we do have so important. So important when you say that about 10 years ago, oftentimes, um, you know, I'll work with women who, you know, will look in the mirror and be like, oh, I am so ugly or I'm so fat or I'm so old or I am so frumpy or I'm so whatever negative adjective you want to apply to it. Oftentimes it's fat, ugly, old. Um, and so what I often will say is like, Okay, so say you're 30 years old and you look at yourself in the mirror and you say that. Think about, go back and find a picture of yourself when you were 20, 10 years ago, and see how 
freaking adorable and young and thin and alive you were. And just look at who you were 10 years ago because you were really awesome 10 years ago. And I bet 10 years ago when you were in this time, you also thought you were so fat, so old, so ugly, so this. But it wasn't true because as you look back, you can see, oh, no, no, that's not who I was then. I'm adorable then. Then you take it to now and you're like, now I'm 30. Oh, if I were to take a picture of myself today and look at it 10 years from now, when I'm 40, I'm going to look back and see who I am as this 30-year-old and be like, you are so freaking hot. You are adorable. You're thin. Look at who you are. Look at what you're doing. And it shifts your, it changes your mindset. And, you know, one year I came up with this whole plan one year, I, you know, I'd, I had my babies old, but I was like, I woke up and I was like, this is going to be my new year's resolution. Every time I looked in the mirror and I judged myself harshly, I am going to say, Andrea, no, sir, that is not true because I know. 10 years from now, I'm going to look back at who I am today and be like, you were so freaking adorable. You were so young. There was so much exciting stuff coming your way. And it is kind of a revolutionary shift. So that's a different way of working with this negative self-talk that, you know, can be crippling is just challenging it. Like you are in charge of what you're thinking, not you know, your mind isn't allowed to just randomly choose. It does. But if you catch it, you can change what it's thinking and be like, nope, I'm not speaking to myself that way. Because I know 10 years from now, I'm going to look, I look back at this and be like, oh my God, you were so cute. A lot of what we're talking about is how we can value ourselves more and Mm -hmm. understand who we are. And now I want to shift a little bit and talk about understanding what we're looking for in the context of romantic relationships. So certainly understanding who we are is is going to set that foundation. And I, I also think of valuing ourselves is going to allow us to not settle and just be like, all right, well, this is a romantic relationship. I'm just all of a sudden I'm in it. And all of a sudden there's, you know, years have gone by, but I'm really not happy. And I think the one of the big keys to avoiding that situation is knowing what you're looking for at the start and entering into that relationship from the beginning. So what are some of the first steps? What are some of the first things we can think about when trying to understand what we're looking for? So one of the things I have my people do is, um, you know, how I was saying like things I love or the things I want. I have my people take you know, take a week or two week period of time and take an inventory of what it is that they, that they're, that their ideal person. Um, and there's nobody perfect. I say every, you know, your person is going to be perfectly imperfect just for you. So there's not a perfect person that exists out there. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect, but it's that place of going, okay, well, what is it that I like? What is it that I want? Um, I remember I did this exercise um, when I met my husband and I said, I want somebody who has weight in their feet, who is, you know, connected to the earth and really deeply connected inside. My husband has size 14 feet. 
he is deeply connected to the earth. Like it's, it's a very interesting experience, but you start, you're kind of like manifesting what it is you're looking for. But like, if you're on an airplane and you see um, a husband and wife with, you know, a baby and you see how they're react, how they're interacting or how she's holding the baby or how he's holding the baby or putting the luggage up. Um, you see a couple, um, you know, walking hand in hand and you're like, I love the way that is. I love that, how that looks. You see a couple kissing on a street corner and instead of hating it because you're lonely being like, I want that. I want that. And so you create this inventory on a list. And I, you know, from like, I want somebody who is um, responsible financially, but also generous financially. I want somebody who has weight in their feet and is deeply crowded. I want somebody who only has eyes for me. And you can look at, um, or like, I remember once say, looking at um, a couple of my friends who were married and I was like, Ooh, the friendship these couples share in their marriages is something I want. And so you go, you kind of go along and look at the world as if you're kind of on um, a little bit of a shopping spree, a little bit of a scavenger hunt, and you're out there looking for these little gems. And you just collect all of these images, these, these impressions, um, and you put them down and you like really, really collect them with your, with your eyes, with your heart, with just all of your senses and you collect those. And then you, you know, you really see like on this list, how do, you know, how would I show up as a friend in a marriage? I would show up as the best friend in a marriage. How would I show up in, you know, having weight in my feet? Well, I really practice staying grounded and feeling, being in relationship to my anxiety. So you look at like the things that you're wanting in your person. And then you also look at yourself and the ways that you either are generous with your money or responsible with your money or love to cook. And you really both value these things that you're looking for and value them in yourself. That's kind of the first thing. And then the second thing I like to encourage my people to do is think about who you are and like, you know, would you want to go out on a date with yourself? Like, would you want to, um, you know, date you, marry you and really open up to like, I would totally date myself. I am fun. I am smart. I work hard. I am kind. I'm funny. I would totally date myself. And that place inside of finding that, like, it's a little silly, right? Like I would date myself, but it's also this deep place of appreciation for who you are and how you show up in the world. When you're able to both have the vision of who you want and then really genuinely be open to dating who you are and valuing who you are as a person, you're, really, you're ready to go. It's just kind of a sifting through the numbers. And then this is the other thing I do. It's really fun. I um, this I came up with this a zillion years ago, well before I was a therapist. But I got married for the first time when I was 25. And all of my friends were single. And I was bummed about that. They all wanted to get married. And I wanted them to get married. And so I was like, 
to my friend Shannon, I'm like, okay, let's do the frequent dater program. Why don't you go out? Because she was very picky and she wouldn't say yes to anyone. I'm like, why don't you just say yes to going out? You know, this is pre like match.com. So a long time ago. But why don't you just say yes to going out with people and finding people? They might not be your person, but it might be somebody who becomes a friend, somebody who introduces you to somebody, somebody who connects you to um, somebody who might be a a friend that you haven't met yet, somebody who might introduce you to a career opportunity, somebody who might um, inspire you to try eggplant. And uh, we set it up in this funny way that I was like, okay, if you go out on five dates, then you, you know, I'll buy you a, a manicure or you go out on seven dates, you know, you know, I'll buy you dinner. And we did this funny thing, but then I brought that forward into my work with my, with my, single individual people. And I'm like, okay, let's do the frequent data program. Let's date a bunch of people very casually all at the same time. So you begin to shift that focus away from you and do they like me? And am I okay? Am I funny enough? And really you just get to show up as you are, how you are. But then your focus shifts on like, who are you? How do you show up? Um, are you um, are you kind? How do you treat a waitress? Um, how do you um, do you show up on time or are you late? How do you text? How do you um, do you invite me to uh, see something? How do you respond after when the date ends? How do you kiss? Do I like the way you kiss? And it really begins to shift everything because then you're not worried about like. What am I wearing? How do I look? Do they like me? Do they not like me? You're more just like, oh, I'm meeting a person who's also looking to meet a person. And I get to see who this person is. I get to um, kind of evaluate them. And it makes it a lot, a lot more fun. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. I love that exercise and extra bonus if your friends are giving you rewards for going on the dates. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you about the sifting through the numbers. Let's say someone is dating, you know, a bunch of people as you just described, or they're just kind of going more slowly one at a time, but they're looking for that perfectly imperfect person. They're understanding themselves, how they can show up better. But where do they... I don't want to say draw the line is not the word, but how do you sift through the people? Like you, you have this connection with someone and, and let's say you're like, okay, this person, I really like them. All right. And you start going forward in relationship with them. Let's say you're seeing them monogamously, mm-hmm. but then, you know, we talk about it on the show a lot, red flags and understanding what they are for ourselves. And, and to me, mm-hmm. that's part of the, the sifting how do you guide your clients in in this area of recognizing those red flags and then exiting a relationship before it progresses too much? So I think you go back to that initial list, right? That you created what you're looking for. And so, you know, one red flag I find for many, for many people is um, somebody who's got like a wandering eye. And, you know, they're checking out other people at the party. They're checking out the waitress. Um, They're more than, they're more than just friendly. There's a different, there's, there's a different quality 
and you notice that red flag and you're like, ooh, I want on my list is somebody who only has eyes for me. And so you're like, that's a red flag. So you can you can do two things. You can say, hey, I'm noticing this. This is kind of a red flag for me. Um, are you aware that, you know, that you have a wandering eye and you're checking out every woman in the restaurant or flirting with the waitress or the bar or the party? Um, and, you know, you'll get a lot of information from them. But either they'll be like, oh, am I? I wasn't aware of that. Like that's on the best case scenario. Or they're going to be defensive and be like, no, I'm not. I'm just being friendly, which, you know, defensiveness is a really tricky thing to manage in a relationship, um, especially in an intimate relationship. So you you kind of get that sense of how somebody responds. But say it's something even more, not that that's not significant, because that is significant. Um, but say it's something like you find out that, um, you know, they actually are, you know, they get fall down blackout drunk in a really regular way. And you're like, I don't want to be married to an alcoholic. And that is something that's probably a, you know, a more serious one, the a more serious red flag to um, encounter. But even in that one, you can say, you know, are you aware that, you know, you've gotten blackout drunk the last, you know, seven, 10, whatever times it's, been that we've gone out and you know I get a sense that you might have a problem with alcohol so many people do that person can either respond like I think you're right I I think you're right and I do have a problem and I um appreciate you bringing it to my attention and I'm going to start working on it I'm going to go to therapy I'm going to um maybe go to an AA meeting I'm going to XYZ to, you know, be in relationship with my alcohol consumption or the other, or they're like, no, I don't. You've gotten blackout drunk with me too. And like, how are you so holy? So then you look at yourself and you're like, you know, am I also getting blackout drunk? Uh, yeah, I am. And do I want to? Nope. And do I get drunk when I'm with other people? No. So this is where you start noticing that codependency start taking place in the relationship where, oh, because you're drinking, I have to drink because you're having another one. Well, then I have another one and I'm smaller than you or whatever. And I can't handle it. So then you start noticing like, oh, I'm doing the same thing. So then the next step, if you and think saying that you really do like this person, you see if like, oh, can I do it differently? Can I not drink when this person is drinking? Because then you have to really identify, like, look at yourself to see, you know, what am I doing? How am I showing up in this relationship? And and then say you're able to be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm, I've had two glasses of wine. I'm good. And that person continues to drink. And then they get blackout drunk. At that point, it's so unpleasant being with somebody who is, you know, wasted and you are not. And if that happens over and over again, you say, look... I think you care more about, you know, alcohol or flirting or um, checking out other women or men than you actually do about me and what I care about. And, and that's okay. That's for you, but I want something else in my life. And you don't necessarily make them a problem. You take that ownership of like what it is you want 
and it's sad and there's grief and there's there's heartbreak especially when you really like somebody um but when you stay really focused on that list and the things that you are looking for in your partner and recognizing this person that you've started dating isn't that person you it's it's easier to let them go when it's not having to convince them it's more that you are in alignment with your soul with what your heart and your future wants and this person doesn't doesn't fit in that space that is where the real magic happens when we're able to identify what it is we want and go out in the world and and meet people and be in relationship and be like, okay, yeah, this is what I want and it's working. And you're still going to have to navigate all the things that come with relationships that we talk about all the time. But almost, I won't say more importantly, but maybe it is because we don't want to waste our time, right? We're only given so much time here to be in relationships and we want to be happy in them. And it takes work. But if we know what we want and then we're in a relationship and we recognize, hey, this just isn't working, like in the examples you gave, we could communicate, as you said, which is super valuable and then going, hey, okay, I'm not going to try to change this person. It's going to be hard, but you end that relationship so that you can open yourself up to something that's going to be a better fit. But I think all too often, and I'm guilty of it myself, of not in my marriage, but in other circumstances of just trying to like make it work. It could be even in friendships or in a business relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, it's not healthy for you. You know, it's not going to work. You're trying to change the other person. And that's where a lot of the pain comes from, you know, in our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's tough. I don't want to say like, it's just easy. Yeah, just break up as soon as you know, you recognize these things. It's very hard. It's very hard. And you know, one of the things, uh, Chase, that I think if most people stop and pay attention, that the things that are the most painful to look at in hindsight is all the times you knew something, like you you knew something and you didn't listen to yourself. Yes. And I think once you start really connecting with, there have been so many times when I've known something and for the sake of the other person and the other person's feelings, I just dismissed my knowing. And you start recognizing that, you stop doing it because you don't want to create that kind of pain for yourself. And it's it comes back to like, oh, if I know you're not my person. And but I don't I'm afraid of breaking up with you because, you know, you're going you just lost your job or your mother just died or your father just died or um you know, you're going through a really rough time, but I don't listen to myself and I prolong this, then I think it's, um, I think it's, I I feel like it's really, really painful. But the other thing you made me think about um, is so often we get into relationships, specifically like I think with friendships or um, colleagues where there's conflict um, and certainly like in, you know, intimate relationships where there's conflict And we think, oh, no, this isn't going to work. We shouldn't have conflict. And I also like to call bullshit on that because we're humans. And humans oftentimes create conflict in order to connect. And it's when conflict is done well, which I think is what your guest last week was saying, um, when conflict is done well, it actually deepens the intimacy and deepens the trust. So I often will say, you know, with a friend, um, if they've really impacted me in a negative way, I often will sit there and ask myself like, oh, is this a friend that I really care about? 
even if they're a new friend, is this a, and if the answer is yes, I really care about them, then I take the risk and say, hey, um, you know, this didn't feel good for me and I need to kind of talk this through. Now, if they're a really good friend, they usually respond with like, thanks so much for sharing this with me. Yeah, I did come off a little bit that way, you know, and I was hurt by this way. And then there becomes a dialogue. And when we can have a dialogue, when there is conflict, the levels of connection, the levels of intimacy, the levels of trust deepen exponentially. It's incredible. And so I don't want people to say just because there's conflict early, you know, in a, in a relationship, um, we just walk away. It's not that it's you, the having the conversation and seeing where people, how people can own their side of things and how you own your side of things is, is really important. But when you know something and you don't listen to yourself, you are violating yourself so profoundly. Well, Andrea, we could just go on and on in all these different areas. I think we covered a lot and I'm just scribbling away just as you were finishing, just with notes that I want to make sure we put in the show notes. So thank you so much for sharing all of these insights and actionable tips. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye? Yes. Thank you so much. I really love being here. Um, I have, you can go over to my website at andreadindinger.com and um, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook again at Andrea Dindinger. Um, and, you know, I've got lots of great offerings on my website, a free divorce guide, a free annual relationship review guide. Um, I host a course um, kind of not quarterly, but every six months um, to help kind of create a hell yeah attitude in your relationship. And I'm doing a free weekend, um, a free hell yeah weekend challenge in January um, to support people in really coming forward with that mindset of hell yeah, I want to hang those curtains. Hell yeah, I want to go watch football or basketball with you. Like, just really finding that way. So I'd love for people to come sign up. I do a monthly newsletter as well that you can sign up on my website um, at andreadindinger.com. Excellent. Well, thank you. We'll have those links in our show notes and on our website at idopodcast.com. And thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you so much, Chase. This was so fun. So nice to meet you. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, and while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, we really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, 
spark my relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners. If you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock, we've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com